Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to go from verses 1 to 15. And if you do have a Bible, it's on page 1170. So I'm going to start chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do, not, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is vowed, it is vowed to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpasses power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written... I believed, therefore, I have spoken with the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and prevent us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's speak to God. Thank you, Mary. Thanks so much. Well, it's lovely to have uh, Jack come and join us. Um, hopefully, some of you will have had a little bit of a sense, a preview of what he's going to say uh, now, because uh, we had a couple of interviews over Zoom earlier on in the year as we took on Jack and Sarah as our mission partners. Um, but it, I thought it'd be nice for us to just be reminded of that. Perhaps some of us don't know you so well, Jack. So, um, Jack, you're, you're no stranger to this building, are you? Tell us a little bit more about your history here with Emmanuel Croydon. Um, 
Yeah, I was born just up the road on uh, High Beach, so I came to Emmanuel since I was a child, um, and I became a Christian here when I was a teenager. Um, and also at Emmanuel is where I first developed an interest or saw God at work in other cultures. I was part of some of the teams that went to Moldova in a few summers when I was 18 and after that. Yeah. And uh, that kind of desire to, to do mission, to kind of engage across cultures has blossomed, yes. it's flowered. Uh, and what are you doing next? You're about to go somewhere. Yeah. So end of September, start of October, me and my wife, Sarah, we have a son, Ben, who's almost two. Uh, we are preparing to move to France. We just went to the visa office on Friday to do our documents. So assuming we get a good answer from them, uh, we'll be able to go about end of September. Okay. Now, just, just for those of us who don't necessarily know this, mm. just spell it out. Like, do you have a job there? Yeah. Uh, what, are you just, can you just go like a tourist? What, like, what's, what happens? You guys move, the three of yeah. you, then what? So we're going to work with a, a church in Tours, which is in the middle of France. Uh, and we've been supported by a mission organization called European Christian Mission. And the church we've been part of since we went to Union Durham is uh, sending us. And we're going to work with the church there. Um, and we are not the kind of people who have like one idea of what we want to do with our lives. And so we're like, open to going and seeing what we can be used in. I'm particularly interested in being involved in evangelism. The first year, I'm going to study French. My wife, Sarah, speaks French already, but I have a bit of catching up to do. Um, so that's some of the things we'll be involved in. Oh, the denomination that we're going to work with is doing a lot of church planting in France. So that might be something that we get involved in the future as well. Right. Brilliant. Now, we, we've sort of got a bit of an imagination of what, what you might be up to and, and, and your openness. You're a very relaxed kind of guy. You're ready to kind of let the Lord take you wherever it may be. But um, there is real grip, and I've really I've loved getting to know you over time. You've got fire in the belly. Uh, t- just tell us why. Why go to France? So, for my wife, Sarah, she's always wanted to go to France since she was a teenager and did French exchange. She saw then, and I came to see later on as well, the like, small numbers of Christians in France and the like, general like, lack of knowledge. They've got no RE at school, and um, there are lots of people who would call themselves Catholic, but just because they were christened when they are babies, and so most people don't know anything about Jesus at all. The culture there is much more strict in terms of secularism, so... Um, in lots of workplaces, you're not allowed to evangelize or wear religious symbols, that sort of thing. So it's a tough place to be a Christian, and the church is small. And there's also great opportunities about the church planting that I mentioned, and Sarah speaks French, and the culture is both very different, but also uh, like similar enough that it's easier for us to get into than some other mm. places as well. Well, Jack, it's a real privilege for us to be partnering with you, to be supporting you in that, in that uh, ministry as you go. Uh, lovely to have you preaching to us. I'd love to pray for you before you do that. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jack and Sarah. We thank you for their, their courage and, and commitment to you that is taking them uh, across to another culture for the sake of the kingdom of God. And uh, we pray so much that you would be going ahead of them and equipping them and preparing them in all that they need for that. And as he comes now to open your scriptures to us, we pray that you would give us open hearts and attentive minds. And we pray that we too uh, would be touched and changed 
by those words that you have spoken to us over the centuries. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So as we've heard read, we're going to look at the first 15 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I hope to bring out what Paul says here and share a bit more about how this speaks to us as we go to France, but also about how God is speaking here to all of us, uh, whether in France or here in the UK or wherever else. So here's the the short version. Uh, In this chapter, Paul continues to explain his ministry to the Corinthians. Paul preaches Jesus honestly and with no tricks because God is the one who saves. Through Paul's suffering, Jesus is made known, and Paul goes on serving and suffering because he's looking forward to resurrection. This letter of Paul to the Corinthians is a very personal letter. He writes to a church that he planted and people that he really loves, and it's a letter both of invitation and of warning. It's an invitation to trust Paul the Apostle, to trust the message that he's brought and so to trust the God who sent them. But it's also a warning to turn away from false teachers who oppose Paul and deceive the church. If you read on to the end of 2 Corinthians, you get a lot more about that. And chapter 4 comes in the middle of a long section where Paul is describing and explaining his ministry. Just before, in chapter 3, Paul spoke about the great glory of this ministry of the Spirit. Through his ministry, God gives life. But here in chapter 4, we get to some of the gritty reality. Paul preaches and people reject his message. Paul experiences terrible suffering and he and his co-workers are weak and not as impressive as people would like them to be. But the point is this, that Paul's suffering and his weakness and his plain speech, they don't rule them out, but they are the mark of a true apostle. The thread here, I think, is that God is powerful even in spite of and through and because of human weakness. And these things, Paul's weakness, it doesn't rule them out of being an apostle, like the false teachers would say, Uh, But it's his badge, it's his uniform. This is how you know he's the real deal. Over the summer, I've been uh, working, driving a van for Iceland, uh, doing home deliveries. And so I get the same shirt as everyone who works in the shop, but um, I only know what to do in the van. Uh, And I have to go through the main bit of the shop to get to the freezer to uh, get the stuff for the van. And sometimes people ask me where things are, and I have no idea. but because I have the shirt on, they, they think I know. And it's a little bit like that with Paul, except he actually does know, unlike me. That the fact he has the plain speech and the suffering, that's how you know that he is the one who's a real apostle. Paul will end this section in chapter 6 by saying, My heart is wide open to you. Open your hearts to me as well. Paul wants to bring them back into a good, a restored, a reconciled relationship with him. It's not for Paul's sake, but because their relationship with him and their relationship with his message are closely linked. And he longs for them to know the God who sent him. 
there are two main ways to apply what we have in 2 Corinthians. Firstly, we are in the shoes of the Corinthians. We're called by God to recognize a real Christian leadership. But we're also in Paul's place as well. We're serving and we're saved by the same God as him. And so we follow Paul's example and we respond to God in the same way that he did. So, to chapter 4. In brief, Paul tells us that he speaks honestly about Jesus because God is the one who saves those who hear. Paul doesn't lose heart in all his weakness and suffering because through those things, God is at work to make Jesus known. And Paul goes on serving as he looks forward to the day of resurrection. Let's look together at verses 1 to 6. If you have a Bible or you have it on your phone, then it would be great to have that open. Here, Paul tells us how and why he preached. He doesn't use any tricks. He doesn't need to soften the message or hide anything. Because as Paul speaks about Jesus, God shines in the hearts of those who listen. Paul says in verse 1, We do not lose heart. But what is it that might cause Paul to lose heart? Well, if you get down to verse 3, you find that our gospel is veiled. You see, when Paul preached, some, sometimes most people didn't believe it. And so he's preaching, it's not working. What should he do? Maybe he should change something, take something out, make it nicer. But Paul says no. You see there in verse 2, he says, we make an open statement of the truth. Or in verse 5, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul keeps going and he doesn't lose heart because he has this ministry from God and he is doing it faithfully. And Paul says, it's not the message that's the problem. The real reason that Paul says people don't believe is that in verse 3, if our gospel's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. But not only that, when there is success, it's not because of Paul's preaching either, but also uh, this is because of God. The only way that uh, we blind people can see is when God opens our eyes. The creator of everything who said, let there be light, shines his light in the hearts of people who hear and then they believe. He does a miracle in the heart of every person who becomes a Christian. So Paul's preaching is like planting a seed. He puts it in the ground and he waits to see if God will make it grow. And so Paul keeps on going, doing his job, preaching Jesus as Lord and trusting God with the rest. In some way, in some ways, Paul's job is like a, he's like a postman. A postman has a very specific job to get the letters uh, through the door, and he doesn't have to worry about if people read them or reply or pay their bills. And Paul's job is a bit like that. He preaches, and what happens next? It's not up to him. This is the pattern that Paul is setting out, and he wants the Corinthians to see that this is what it looks like to be a real apostle. The results are not up to him. His job is to preach faithfully. 
And this is something that speaks to me and to Sarah as well. Um, now, also as we think about going to France. I share this desire to speak openly about Jesus. Not that I'm an expert, but as I read these verses, I long to be used by God in this way, to see people in France hear this message about Jesus and God shine in their hearts as they believe. But on the other hand, I certainly feel the challenge of continuing to do what's right even when it's not working. We're aware that France is not a place where there are usually quick results, and slow progress can be discouraging and frustrating. You can pray for us to be faithful in our work, even when we don't see the change that we'd like to. But this is also an encouragement for all of us to speak honestly and clearly and openly about Jesus. Most of all, though, as I read these verses, I'm so thankful and that though I was blind, God shone his light, and now I can believe. And let's be people who are rejoicing because God has done this work in us, that we can now see and know Jesus. And so let's trust that God can do that same work again and to open the eyes of other people as well. Paul and we speak openly, honestly about Jesus because God saves. So in verses 7 to 12, Paul shows that God uses his suffering to display Jesus. As he says in verse 7, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Paul and his co-workers are clay jars, weak and frail, but containing the shining treasure of the gospel. And this weakness makes clear to everyone that God is the one who saves. Paul's suffering and weakness is a good thing. It's good because it shows people that God alone can save. When they see people becoming Christians and their lives changing, they know it's not Paul because, I mean, Paul could never do that. And it's clear to everyone, this must be the work of God. And as Paul speaks about his weakness, Sarah and I certainly feel weak as we go to France. I mentioned before about studying French. And for a few years, I expect the language to be a source of frustration, especially as so much of what I want to do is with speaking. Please pray for me to trust God with this. But more than that, we know that being in France can be a tough place to be a Christian, and some of the people in the church that we're going to serve are in really tough personal situations. We're aware of our need for God's help in encouraging the church and the Christians in tour. And I'm also conscious of the challenge of reaching out with the gospel in France. Like I said before, there's no RE. Most people don't know anything about Christian faith. Despite that, the Catholic Church is seen as the proper church, and anything else is a bit like a cult, really. I suppose the closest thing here would be the way that most people think about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. There are also the restrictions I mentioned before on evangelism in certain contexts. 
and we feel our own weakness and the difficulty of the situation. But we want to believe this, that despite every barrier, God is able and willing to save. And that then, when he does, every obstacle will show more clearly that he is the one who did it. Paul goes on to describe their suffering in verses 8 and 9. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. To use a a boxing analogy, they are knocked down, but not knocked out. And they get up again and again and again. The effect of this is to show in their bodies the message that they proclaim. In their suffering, they show the death of Jesus. And in their endurance and their continuing service, they show his life at work, sustaining them. And there are two different ways that this suffering brings glory to God. Their suffering shows their weakness, like I said before, makes it clear that God is the one who saves. But also their lives of pain and endurance show the resurrection life of Jesus, sustaining them. Paul wants the Corinthians to see that his suffering is used by God to make Jesus known. Paul wants to encourage the Corinthians as they suffer and to help them recognize that this is what a true apostle is, in contrast to those false apostles who come later on. True Christian leaders suffer and are weak, though through their message God works powerfully to save. But this is not just about leaders because we all suffer. And God helps us all to respond to suffering in a way that shows Jesus to those around us. The point is not that suffering is good or that we should deny the pain that we feel, but that in God's hands, even the greatest suffering can bring wonderful good. As we keep going with Jesus in weakness and in suffering, God is made known. Finally, in verses 13 up to 15, Paul tells us more about his motivations. He goes on preaching and encouraging the churches because he has faith in God who raises the dead. And he wants to see the Corinthians there on that day of resurrection. In verse 13, Paul quotes from Psalm 116. He says, I believed and so I spoke. This is a psalm of deep faith in God through great suffering. And Paul continues to speak despite his suffering because he has faith in God, faith in God who raises the dead. And Paul is looking forward to that day when Jesus will return and raise his people to life. That's what he says in verse 14. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. He looks at that day and imagines standing there with the Corinthians before Jesus. He's working now towards what's coming. At the moment, we are getting ready to move house and and pack everything up. I don't know if you've had that experience. And it's certainly not for the joy of packing, but because we want to get to where we're going. Maybe you've organized a, a wedding or some other big event. And if you're anything like me, it's not the organizing or the inviting that you like, but you do it because 
you look forward to the big day and you want to be there with those people then. And so Paul goes on working for them now and he longs to see God's grace extend to them and to more and more people so that thanks and praise will go up to God and so that they'll all stand together worshiping God on that resurrection day. This vision sustains him in suffering and weakness. This is the goal of all that Paul does. Seeing God glorified as his grace is extended, as more people trust in Jesus and more people trust more deeply in Jesus. That's not to say that this is the only way that God is honored. Also in our work and prayers, in our service and our love, in our honesty and our care, but our lives are one integrated whole and we can ask God to use all our life as an example and a display of his grace and we can pray for and seek opportunities to speak about all that he's done for us. This is our prayer as we go to France, that God would use us to encourage French Christians to go on with Jesus for their whole lives, that as we serve, God would extend his grace to more people for his praise and that we might be there on the day of resurrection with French people that we've known and met and seen come to faith in him. This is the way of Jesus that God is calling all of us to. This passion for his glory and the extending of his grace, this hope for resurrection. May we live and serve with this hope for the day. So, in conclusion... Paul wants the Corinthians to know what a real apostle is. Someone who preaches Jesus as Lord clearly and openly. Someone who makes Jesus known through weakness and suffering. And someone who works for grace to extend for the glory of God. And so we want to see that with the Corinthians. But God is also calling us to live this way. To rejoice that God has saved us. And so speak in faith that he'll do the same work in others to trust his goodness in suffering and weakness and pray that God would show his light through us even as we suffer. To live in confident expectation of resurrection and so work and pray for grace to extend. Most of all, may God help us to trust him in our weakness that we might look to his power and rely on him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are great and powerful, even though I and we are weak and we suffer and our speech is lacking. Thank you that you are great and powerful and you're at work to save. And one day, Jesus will come and bring restoration and resurrection. Help us to rejoice in you and in your power and your faithfulness. Help us to live in that confidence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. 
God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.